Welcome to the Government Technology Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Langan. In this episode, we are discussing how the Department of Defense is currently navigating the transition to commercial 5G networks, while also exploring the integration of private 5G networks as a foundational step towards wireless connectivity. The DoD aims to leverage commercial 5G in the future when feasible and complemented with private networks for targeted use cases. By utilizing a combination of commercial and private networks, the DoD can provide optimal solutions for the military. And for our conversation, I sat down with Brian Shromsky, who's the managing partner 5G public sector at Verizon, and Mike Loomis, general manager of Nokia Federal, who discussed the benefits of both private and commercial networks. And I hope you enjoy our conversation today. And Brian and Mike, thanks for joining us today. Happy to be here. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for hosting. Absolutely. You know, it's great to have you both. And let's really start at the top. And can you explain the differences between commercial and private 5G networks? And we'll start with Brian on this one. Sure. Thanks again, Matt, for the opportunity. It's a great topic, one that I'm passionate about. So there's a lot of interest, obviously, in private networks, but let's break it down the difference between. So on the commercial network is something that Verizon has been doing the last 30 plus years, where we build and maintain a commercial cellular network throughout this great country, where we let customers provide services, where customers activate devices on our network. When we transition to private networks, basically the same concept. The difference is, is actually it's purpose-built. What I mean by purpose-built is we actually build out coverage in specific areas based off the customer requirements, right? And when we do so, we also work with great partners like Nokia, where we actually use their equipment and also integrate into our commercial network if need be, but also provide the customer more access to the network. What I mean by that is they would actually have dedicated equipment on site. So it gives the customer the ability, specifically the DOD in this case, to actually activate and deactivate customers, could actually integrate their custom applications or off-the-shelf applications over a private network. It also breeds the ability to do things like edge compute where you have requirements that require high bandwidth and low latency. And actually having that network close by and also moving the compute closer to the edge really gives it an environment for government agencies, specifically the DOD, to do a lot of really neat stuff, but more importantly, meet the mission needs prospective branches of military. That's great. Thanks, Brian. Mike, anything to add to that one? Yeah, I mean, we have a pretty common view of it with Verizon. Verizon is one of our closest partners. We've engaged heavily with Verizon across private wireless in the enterprise sector as a whole. When I think of private wireless, we usually start with the use case, and it's generally focused on an operational technology use case. And for a particular reason or another, the end customer wants control of their environment. And so they, to set up a private wireless instance of a cellular network, oftentimes, but not always, we'll see this as a separate independent core. It's a common attribute of a private wireless network. So, I mean, those are the two main attributes we see, operational technology, usually an independent core, and for whatever reason, the end customer is looking for some specific control of the network. And those are all attributes that you could expect Department of Defenses and Ministries of Defenses globally to be interested in. All right, great. So how can these types of wireless networks best support the larger military-based network infrastructure 
And really, what about smaller remote located bases as well? And we'll start with Mike on this one. Well, the first one, and you never want to underestimate this use case, is a is often overlooked, and that's the MWR use case. You'll hear folks in DOD speak about MWR, and that's morale, welfare, and recreation. And oftentimes, one of the important use cases is how can we provide more connectivity for the soldiers? And you know, the DOD is very interested in that, very interested in providing them a good experience when they're on base. That extends a bit to the civilians that are on these military installations. When you look at or drive on to some of these military installations, they're small cities. I mean, there are tens of thousands of military personnel and civilian personnel interacting, you know, on these military installations and cellular coverage is, is really important. Now, when you go beyond, you know, just straight connectivity of end user devices, there are a lot of use cases that we see and and are out there in the public domain and the Department of Defense has expressed interest in these. And they range around some of the common use cases that we see in our enterprise private wireless opportunities. But some common ones are logistics, tracking of elements throughout the logistics process or providing connectivity for logistics applications, maintenance, getting telemetry off either vehicles or other elements in a distributed area that might require maintenance. And you want to get some data off these elements so that you can plan efficiently a maintenance schedule or automated warehousing. That's a very common application that we see in the enterprise. The the same exact problems that we see in enterprise are there in DOD. You know, there's security, there's ranges, ground equipment tracking. So there's a multitude of operational use cases that tie in on top of what I would say individual device connection capacity, which is also there on military installations. All right. Thanks, Mike. Great insights there. Brian, anything to add to that one? Just add a little bit to the great examples that Mike gave his response, you know, when we see the real need of the private networks to support those use cases, we see the underlying technologies and better technologies, say, compared to Wi-Fi, we could serve a greater area with less infrastructure, right? So that's where, as Mike mentioned, these are small cities. So how do you actually have a flexible and, I would say, somewhat limited infrastructure in a good way that you can serve multiple use cases and multiple users in a confined space? That's where we really see private networks. And then not only in those military bases, but as Mike also alluded to, as you get into tactical operations for the military, not just stateside, but also supporting the mission overseas or wherever the mission demands they need to go. That's where you really see private networks really taking off and having that flexibility to support multiple use cases and really go far and wide and provide bandwidth far and wide, which is most important. All right, great. Let's switch over and talk about supporting military missions. Can you share some use cases where 5G private networks could support this area? And we'll actually start with Mike on this one. Well, we sure can. The DOD published a great paper in 2020. They had a strategy paper. And I'll quote from that paper just so I'm being careful about, you know, not sharing any confidential insights, but insights that are in the public domain already. The DOD published a paper around 5G strategy and implementation. And part of that paper 
you know, there was a recognition that 5G capabilities had begun to converge with requirements that DOD had for wireless technology. So they're looking at the commercial capabilities and they're seeing that the incremental features that industry had been driving with the likes of Verizon and the vendor community like Nokia had begun to get into a space where it was very closely aligned with the capabilities that DOD was looking for. So they laid out a strategy paper to look at how to adopt that technology. And it started appropriately with use case definition. And some of the use cases are very similar to the ones I described or Brian and I described in the previous question, but they're spelled out right in this paper. And, you know, there was a peer side warehousing for end to end management of supplies and equipment from ship to shore, smart warehousing use case where focused on vehicular storage and maintenance. There was another use case with looking at ARVR technology and how to apply that for training missions and leveraging the capacity and bandwidth that a 5G network can support to enable that in a distributed environment. They started to touch on tactical use cases around distributed command and control, telehealth, which is another important use case, and training and education. The broadband capacity that's offered by 5G has a lot of potential to bring new applications to bear for the DoD, and they found some pretty good ones and began to set up experimentation test beds to explore those use cases to then move them into production. Great. Thanks, Mike. Brian, anything to add to the military missions use cases? Just a couple of things here. Mike said it extremely well. Where we really see it is things like connected flight line, right? Could enable some of the things that Mike talked about, right? Where you have a warehouse, where you have military aircraft that are coming in and out very quickly. How do you get the data on and off, right? I think some of the other things that we see private networks, and I would say beyond part of the possible, which is becoming more of a reality, is next generation training. So encompassing things, technologies like AR and VR, right, where you actually have the goggles, and really giving the men and women the ability to actually wear their particular clothing or gear, if you will, and not add an additional, say, 20 to 30 pounds when you're actually putting the computer on your back. And that's really where you see the power of 5G and our partnership with Nokia, where you can actually have the men and women wear their gear for the particular training. Let's say it's aircraft maintenance, where they can wear their gear, actually put the headset on, and actually work in a three-dimensional environment, which is really cool, right? And they're not burdened by power or compute limitation, where they can actually wear something that's light as, let's say, less than three pounds. And actually can accomplish their mission more so actually have a better training environment and also a faster turnaround for those particular aircraft in the ground. If I just, you know, inspired by Brian's response, if you look back at how the consumer industry evolved, connected industries evolved, starting back in 2010, where I believe Verizon was the first to launch LTE, when you put the power of a computer and you put the internet with high-speed wireless connectivity in the hands of consumers. And it launched entire industries that we might call web scalers today. You know, the internet commerce just took off because of that connectivity. Lots of 
applications were introduced that we take for granted today. And I see 5G and private wireless bringing that same connectivity into operational use cases for for DOD and for enterprises. And I think we should expect those same kinds of results and the same kinds of ecosystems to take off once that capacity is there and the ability to kind of move at freely with that capacity, network capacity, the applications are going to come fill it. And we're beginning to see that. All right. Great insights there. So what are you guys seeing when it comes to tactical network use cases? And actually, Mike, we'll stick with you on this one to start. Well, we're definitely seeing a lot of interest in tactical use cases. And the DOD has publicly announced some programs where they're experimenting with the tactical use cases. Nokia has spent a lot of time and investment in this space. And one of the things that we've observed is there's some very nice attributes of 3GPP technology and private wireless that can be applied to the tactical use case. The first thing is if you look at the existing comms, a lot of those systems are optimized in a particular dimension. So those systems might be optimized in security or they might be optimized in a resiliency dimension. But when you compare those radio systems to commercial networks, they have a very different capability for capacity. You know, commercial networks have done such a good job of optimizing performance, you know, within their spectrum. These private wireless networks can offer, you know, 10 times the capacity of some of the existing radio equipment that would be deployed. So we look at it as a new tool that can be used for the signal officer to provide comms for and capability for the warfighter. So first and foremost, we say, hey, this radio is different. It adds and is optimized in a different dimension. And just like you would look at other systems that are deployed in a tactical environment, there's no one size fits all for a particular vehicle system or weapon system or what have you. We think the same is true for comms platforms. And you want the ability to bring multiple platforms optimized for different missions into the tactical environment. Another big element in a tactical setting that's relatively new, maybe in the last 15 years, is, you know, 3GPP waveform is now fairly ubiquitously deployed around the planet. And that provides a lot of background electronics emissions that weren't there, you know, 30, 40 years ago. And you can deploy, you know, within those same spectrum and with that same waveform and those waveforms have the ability to potentially hide in plain sight. There's a camouflage of the surrounding commercial systems that you can deploy into. So we found that to be interesting, and we believe the DoD is interested in that as well. And the final thing that we see in tactical that's quite unique relative to the other radio systems is the ability to leverage the scale of the commercial industry. So, you know, I mentioned earlier the M&Os are very, very good at driving the vendor community into optimizing the amount of capacity that they can deploy within their spectrum. And they do that and drive us to achieve that in uh, spectral efficiency on our radios. And then they also drive the handset vendors to make those handsets affordable. And you can apply uh, 
deliver a lot of capacity to the warfighter at a very, very low cost per bit, relatively speaking, compared to other tactical systems. So it's potentially a way to democratize communications and provide the ability for more folks to get more bandwidth much more cost effectively. All right. Thanks, Mike. Brian, anything to add to that one? Yeah. Just to piggyback off from Mike's comments, from the tactical space and Verizon's history supporting tactical networks, right? You know, where it gets exciting and why I believe the DOD is looking at technologies on 5G. It's the amount of data, as Mike mentioned, right? So when he talks about the business model, it's good to overlook, right? How do you can deliver the greatest amount of data in the most efficient way? Not only from a technology standpoint, but from a business standpoint, that's why the DOD is really looking at the 5G aspect, right? It's not just voice or basic text, right? As you get into high-resolution video, for instance, right, which the military has been doing already in, for decades, right? But is there a better way of doing it? Is there a better way, and I love how Mike said it, right, democratizing the ability of this technology where you just don't have video on some high-priced assets that you'll get greater scale putting video or streaming video from every warfighter you know, or every piece of machinery, right? The possibility is there. So we start looking at that and the amount of data that you could possibly fathom <laughs> that you're going to need to be able to transport. That's why the DOD is very excited about the potential of 5G and interconnecting everything. And not only 5G, but also laying the groundwork as we already start to look ahead to 6G. I know it's crazy as that sounds, but there's going to be some evolutions on the 5G standard bodies and what the MNOs and companies like Verizon are going to offer here going into 2024 and 2025. So there's still a lot of runway on 5G. There's a lot of new things going to come out with 5G over the next few years. All right, great. So are there major equipment differences between what might be installed to set up a private network, say, versus a commercial one? And how challenging is it to swap from a private network to a commercial one in general? And uh, we'll go with Mike on this one. So there are some equipment differences, but I will start with it's the same 3GPP technology. It's interoperable across all of the 3GPP defined interfaces and interoperable cross handsets. So fundamentally, there's a lot of ability to migrate between private and commercial because all of the interfaces completely interoperate. There are some differences in equipment. The, you know, the first element I'll point out is when you look at big MNO like Verizon, they've optimized their network to support hundreds of millions of users. And that creates a scale. And we have to divide, design our products to, you know, perform under that kind of load. And where you see that, you know, really manifest itself is in the core. So the core deployments look very different between a commercial network and a private network. And we're very focused on scaling down our core to right-size the platform from being racks and racks of equipment in a you know MIDSO data center to maybe one RU or two RU or a cloud-based deployment. So we focus a lot on optimizing our core and right-sizing the software Another dimension where there's equipment differences is around simplicity. So the types of features and requirements that are driven on a very large MNO deployment are very different from an operational technology use case. So we look for ways to 
have less knobs to turn so that you know the users can interact with the system in ways that are important for them and we find that you know when enterprises are tend to be less sophisticated on the technology than an MNO so we're simplifying and looking for ways to automate the products on automation we put a lot of energy into management trying to have workflows that are repeatable workflows that are you know single click automatic configuration automatic changes to the network automation of updates all kinds of things so management's very very important in our opinion on a private network nokia leaned in on this so you know we recognized that as 5g came along a lot of these attributes were being designed for enterprise consumption and we launched a product called nokia digital automation cloud which is a product that we've worked closely to adapt to Verizon's requirements and it's a product that we go to market together on in enterprise use cases and it embodies those attributes of right size for an enterprise deployment simple automated easy to manage easy to deploy great thanks mike appreciate those insights and for our last question is really about how does the military start on this journey? So really for the military, what is the starting point to begin the journey of setting up such a private wireless network and then eventually to a commercial network? And how difficult really is the installation? And we'll start with Brian on this one. Thanks, man. And thanks again for this opportunity to speak with you and Mike today. And as we wrap up, Peter, you know, the DOD, as Mike mentioned, has already done some experimentations already in terms of some of the private 5G, as well as commercial 5G. And there's been some shifts in the DOD in particular. Most recently, there is a 5G cross-functional team under inside the Department of Defense that is now moving to the CIO's office under the Department of Defense, right, which is a huge shift. So as you look from the experimental phase and more into the operational things, right, we're seeing it being requested by the CFT, as well as other members of the DOD, is how rapidly can commercial 5G make it on to and cover military installations? I'm happy to say we have a huge market share of already doing that today. And as we roll out our final last deployment to C-band, actually putting C-band on a lot of these military installations, as well as no lead away, it's exciting for the military because they're looking at twofold, right? As Mike mentioned, right, how do we integrate the tactical, the private networks with the commercial networks, right? As somebody at the military told me uh, once before, I say, listen, we're operating a theater and there's a bridge. We're going to use that bridge. However, the bridge is not there. We can construct the bridge, right? And we look at that in terms of commercial network. If there's a commercial network there from Verizon that's very viable and it's deployed, yes, the military and the DOD is going to use that network for a lot of the use cases we mentioned here. If they want to augment and if their requirements do call for a private network? The answer that we're starting to, which is yes, but the follow-on questions, can we integrate that or leverage any of the existing commercial infrastructure, right? So as a taxpayer, can we save money, spend less infrastructure dollars and do some integration in the commercial and the private network? Those are some of the conversations as well as other MNOs we're having with the DOD right now. So it gives a great opportunity for the military actually start exploring the 5G even quicker and go beyond the experimental phases. Because when you look at the experimental 5G trial locations, very good 
data, a lot of great use cases. But if you look at geographically or physically, was it a wide area that you were covering? Where if you start going to the commercial network, you're talking about fence line to fence line coverage in a lot of cases. I mean, beyond the fence line where military personnel might work and live and then come on the base in and out all the time, right? So very exciting stuff. And I applaud the DOD and some of the work, a lot of the work this cross-functional team is doing in making 5G more of an operational and more mainstream and moving beyond the experimental phase. Awesome. Thanks, Brian. Mike, anything to add to that one? Yeah, sure. There's definitely great comments by Brian. And, you know, from a vendor perspective, first thing, you know, one of the reasons why we work with companies like Verizon and Brian is there's a lot more to putting a network together than technology. So, you know, Nokia is bringing equipment, but the network still needs to be assembled and designed and operated. And there's an awful lot that goes into spectrum management, physical location management, considerations about a backhaul, operational considerations. So, you know, having a partner like Verizon is pretty important when it comes to actually taking technology and putting it together in a meaningful way. So if we look at the starting point, you know, of setting up a private wireless network, when I consider some of the ones that have been successful, you know, the first thing I think of is a meaningful use case. So make sure the deployment is going to add value and build on that success. And that's how follow-on budgets can be allocated and the network can grow. The way we provide our equipment, it's modular in nature. So there's always an opportunity to add on incremental radio heads, incremental baseband, or federate and scale out the core network to add additional operational technology use cases or commercial use cases. Like I said in an earlier question, all of this technology is interoperable. So the, you know, the transition to commercial is quite straightforward. And we've seen a technology that's come up to really enable dual use networks that's become quite popular with the DOD, which is a multi-operator core network. And, you know, we can take a private network, we can make it a dual use OT and commercial network, and then transition as required to a commercial network or however they want to do it. There's, from a technology perspective, we can make it easy to transition and easy to deploy both. But like I said, there's an awful lot of other challenges there, which is why it's very important to have a partner that knows a lot about building networks and operating networks alongside. And thank you, Brian and Mike, for joining us today. And big thank you to our listeners for tuning in. If you're interested in staying up to date on the latest best practices, lessons learned, and proven strategies for leveraging innovative technologies in private and commercial 5G networks, be sure to visit governmenttechnologyinsider.com. I'm your host, Matt Langan, and until next time, so long.